God himself has said, I will never fail you in any way. I will never give you up. I will never leave you. And then I love it the way it's read here, and it's on your screen. Look at the emphasis here. This is going back into the original language of the original Greek. When he's writing here, God wants to know, you're in my right hand. And he says, I will not. I will not. I will not. Remember when God appeared to Moses? And they, Moses said, God, who do I tell him is coming? And God said, I am that I am. Do you know what God is telling you? He's saying, in your situation, I am your provider. In your situation, I am your covering. In your situation, I am. He said, I'm not going to do anything in any degree that will leave you helpless or forsaken or let down. I will not relax the hold that I have on you. Can somebody get excited? Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with pastor and teacher Tim Master. Pastor Tim is the senior pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters. Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. The Bible tells us that because you and I dedicate ourselves to the Lord, God was speaking to Joshua here, and he laid it out at the very beginning. He said, Joshua, the way it was is not the way it's going to be. Moses is dead. That was God's first words to Joshua in Joshua 1.1. Joshua, Moses is dead. You are taking the mantle and you're taking the responsibility. I want you to think about this in your life and mine. There are times that things don't go the way you think they should go. There are times that things don't work out the way you think they should work out. There are times that, that things happen, you know, people, situations, jobs, um, relationships, just stuff doesn't go. Well, Joshua is sitting in the midst of this, and he said, I got a few million people here, God, and, and I'm not quite sure that I, I got a handle on this thing. And look what God told Joshua. He said, Joshua, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. You might be in a situation, and I want you to know God's promise is for you today as much as it was for Joshua back then. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Never leave, I'll never forsake. I'll never leave, I'll never forsake. Now let me jump into Isaiah chapter 41, and I'm going to read four verses here. 
The title of our series, Destined to Win, there's a fact that I want us to know today without equivocation, and that fact is this, our destiny is secure and our victory is promised. It doesn't matter all the things that transpire in life. If you stand in Christ, your destiny is secure and your victory is promised. So I'm going to give you these scriptures today. Isaiah 41, look what this says. And we're going to talk about this passage two or three times through the message. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you. And I want you to underline this, this next phrase, with my righteous right hand. When the Word of God talks about God's right hand, there's two things the Word of God is always talking about, God's face and God's right hand. It doesn't mention God's left hand. It'll mention God's hands, but it mentions God's right hand. It mentions God's face. When the Word of God talks about God's face, he's talking about God's character, and he's talking about building your character in Christ. When his face shines upon you, it talks about his character being raised up and emulating in you and how God wants us to draw closer to him and draw, he draw closer to us. But when it talks about his right hand, it's talking about the omnipotence of God, the all-powerful God, the God that said, I'll be with you and I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. He said, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. How many know if you're held in God's hand, you're held pretty good? And look what it goes on to say. All those that raise against you, he said, I'll put them to shame. I'll disgrace them. Those who oppose you, they will become as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be brought as nothing at all. What is God saying? You and I go through things in our life. You go through situations in our life that we think, God, what in the world is going on? And God says, don't worry, I got it. I got it. I got you in my hand. For I am your Lord, your God, who takes hold of what? Your right hand. God's right hand, your right hand. Talks about every capacity of your life. I take care of you, he says. I take your right hand. And I say to you, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I will help you. Now, here's an interesting phrase. I'm going to jump down a little bit here, but here's an interesting phrase. Do not be afraid, O worm Jacob, O little Israel. As a young Christian, I read that and I thought, worm? God, are you calling Jacob a worm? Well, you know, Jacob was that. Well, folks, be encouraged. He calls all of us worm. It's endearing. Thank you, David. It's an endearing 
term. But I'm going to talk about that just for a second because the church of Jesus Christ has violated the understanding that we need to have if we are going to be able to trust his righteous right hand and know that he's got our right hand. It goes on to say, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Now look at this in your notes and in your Bible. It will say LORD in all capital letters. That is the one that was, the one that is, the one that is to come. That is the Lord God Almighty. He said, I am going to be, I myself, the Lord, the creator of the universe, of heaven and earth. He said, not only am I going to be there, the entire Godhead is going to be there to watch over you, to protect you. Let me talk to you about this little thought. Isaiah 41, the whole concept of Isaiah 41 is, is encapsulized in the fact that God tells his people, you have nothing to be afraid of. Everything can be falling apart, and God said, I got you. I got you in my righteous right hand. Don't, don't look to the left, don't look to the right. He goes on and tells Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. He said, if you won't look to the left and you won't look to the right, if you'll keep your eyes, he said, I will make sure every step you take be secure and be steadfast and be successful. God tells us, don't be afraid. He says, literally, do not be anxious, do not be troubled, do not be worried, do not be fretful, do not be concerned about anyone, anything, any situation that threatens your life, your happiness with economic adversity, hostility, satanic oppression, guilt-laden consciences, etc., etc., etc. The mark of God's people is not incapacitating fear. The mark of God's people is a contrite, courageous confidence in God. Now comes the problem that has happened. The Bible tells us very clearly when God is talking about this worm reference, he's talking about mankind. He's talking about you and I that are in this earth, this fallen world, that is unclean in nature. And look what it says here. None are righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Sadly, people rage against God. Do you know why? Do you know why that we think we can just casually go through life without any re, uh, uh, recourse? Because we have this idea that we can just go through because we have God's grace. We have God's grace. And if I have God's grace, I don't have to have fear. Fear of God. Reverence. And we think we can just do anything and all of it will be okay. Have you ever heard the song Amazing Grace? Have you? Anybody here? The second verse of the song says, 
twas grace that taught my heart to We just blow through the words. God said, if you're going to be in me, you have to understand. It's my right hand that keeps your right hand. If you don't keep your right hand in my right hand, we got a problem. Grace taught my heart to fear. Then grace, my fears relieved. See, God says, it's about me, it's not about you. And when it becomes about him, it becomes about you. Are are you with me? Am I making sense? So here's what has happened. Satan has masterminded a phenomenal victory in the American church. And this is what he's done. By teaching us through thousands of lectures and articles and books that we are too valuable to be considered worms. God doesn't look at you that way. Okay, well, let me just take this book and throw it away then. Thank you. We have been drilled through in our minds that God doesn't call us worms. You know what God, what we have done? Because of this teaching, this teaching has made it impossible for us to sing amazing grace with truly amazed hearts. We're no longer amazed at his amazing grace because somehow or another we think that we have arrived or have been elevated. And my Bible tells me over in 1 Peter, if the righteous are scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner be? Am I making any sense this morning? You see, ladies and gentlemen, the more beautiful and valuable that man is made to appear, the less amazing God's grace is in their lives and the less need for his love to help them. We get into so much trouble because we forget it's about him and not about us. Am I making any sense today? So let me take you into this, and I'm going to go really quick because i got a lot of Scripture. And I want you to go, and you have it in your notes, and this is why I give you notes, folks. I want want you to know that I'm preaching God's Word. This, This is right here, and you can go study it yourself. I'll give you all the tools to go study it. Psalm 91, look what it says here. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High shall rest in the shadow of the Almighty. He shall say, God is my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I shall trust. He doesn't say, I'm going to trust in my own goodness. Matter of fact, the Bible says it's God's goodness that even leads us to repentance. See, I'm talking about our destiny being secure and our victory being promised Yet there is a caveat. We have to stay in that righteous right hand. Charles Spurgeon said, everyone who knows omnipotence 
or knows God, has omnipotence as his guardian. And you know what God would do? He would rather abandon all of heaven, of the angels, than he would to do to leave a saint without defense. God would, God would step out of everything to come to your defense and to mine. What Jesus has promised us in John 14, that he'd never leave us comfortless. He'd never leave us comfortless. You may be in the middle of something. You may be going through something. You may be facing something. You may be knowing something is coming. God said, don't worry, don't worry about it. I'm going with you. I'm going with them. I'm going to make a way where there is no way. Let me go back to that worm thing. You know what worms do? They crawl. And crawling is not really a problem. But you know, you know when he called him an earthworm, that's what he literally was calling him, a worm. He called him an earthworm. You ever look at an earthworm? They're dirty all over the outside. You know what earthworms eat? Dirt. They're dirty on the inside. Look at somebody and say, I'm just a mess. I'm a little dirty. But thank God, by the washing of the water of his word, he cleans us up pretty nicely. But you know what happens? There's a proverb that says you can wash a hog. And you know what that hog's going to do? Going right back to its slop. What do hogs do? My Bible teaches that we are sinners saved by grace. Folks, if we don't have the fear of God's amazing grace, we'll never have the understanding of how that amazing grace has been amazing in our lives. Because you and I are a breath away from going right back to the hog pen of life. Can somebody say amen? That's why the Bible says, if the righteous are scarcely saved. I always thought that was an interesting passage. Because then the next phrase says, where then will be the ungodly and the sinner? Oh, this is good. Grab it. If the righteous, how do we become righteous? He makes us righteous. We are only righteous because of him. Where is the ungodly and the sinner come in? Are you ready? The sinner is those not saved. They're outside the church. You know where the ungodly are? They're the ones that think that their righteousness is good enough. They're the ones that we forget we're worms. Where will the ungodly and the sinner be? Folks, I, I stand up across this pulpit and I say, folks, you want to see me mess up? Follow me for five minutes. Hopefully it's a little longer than that, but I was coming to church the other day. That wasn't my wife saying that, was it? Chris, was that my wife? Oh, that was the lights. I was driving to church the other day. In my Godmobile, my truck, and I'm driving, and all of a sudden, there's a car next to me, 
and it's not quite going quick enough. Of course, it was going the speed limit. And I passed it on the wrong side of the road. I was, they were in the left lane, which is called the passing lane, and I was in the right lane, and I'm thinking, okay, well, I know it's going to go into one lane up here pretty quick, so I better do something. And so I just kind of nudged it. Praise the Lord. And I'm going past them, and I'm just looking forward. I'm on my way to church. And then my wife looks across there and says, that's Pastor Ray and Bev that you're passing. Well, it's actually the wrong lane, but it was the right lane. But I even put my best spirit-filled dignity on, and I just continued. And, of course, Beverly, bless her heart, I don't know if she really knew or not, but she, she, she got to church and said, did you know that we got passed? She didn't. She, I don't think she knew it was me originally. Oh, she knows. She knows how I drive. What am I saying, folks? I'm a worm at best. But God's cleaning up the outside and he's cleaning up the inside. And one day I'm going to be like him. Can somebody say amen? Where are the ungodly? Folks, when we fail to remember, it's his amazing grace. I wonder how secure we feel. I wonder how come the enemy can get in there with guilt and condemnation when God says our destiny is secure and our victory is promised. If maybe sometimes he whispers in our ears to believe, hear me please, some of the teaching that says, no, God didn't give you, take you from the pit. My Bible still tells me never forget the pit that he brought us out of. This is why, look what it says here in, he, in Hebrews 13. Let your character, I'm reading out the Amplified Version, let your character or moral disposition be free, look at this, of the love of money, greed, and lust, craving for earthly possessions that only satisfy this present life the circumstances with what you currently have. For he, God, himself has said, I will never fail you in any way. I will never give you up. I will never leave you. And then I love it the way it's read here, and it's on your screen. Look at the emphasis here. This is going back into the original language of the original Greek. When he's writing here, God wants to know, you're in my right hand. And he says, I will not, I will not, I will not. Remember when God appeared to Moses and they, Moses said, God, who do I tell him is coming? And God said, I am that I am. Do you know what God is telling you? He's saying in your situation, I am your provider. In your situation, I am your covering. In your situation, I am. He said, I'm not going to do anything in any degree that will leave you helpless or forsaken or let down. I will not relax the hold that I have on you. Can somebody get excited? So be comforted. 
Be encouraged. Be confident. And boldly say, God, I might be a worm, but I got the best living conditions I have because I am rested in your hand. Can somebody say amen? I'll not fear. I'll not dread. I'll not be terrified. Matter of fact, it ends, what in the world can man do to me? Are you in the house excited today? A statement that I've made for many years because we go through stuff. And that statement very simply is this. Peace is not the absence of problems. It is the confidence that I am rested in the one who holds the solutions. God never tells us we're not going to have problems. As a matter of fact, you read from Genesis Revelation, children of God sometimes have more problems than anybody else. So much so that sometimes it makes the enemy give us the words that says, well, why are you going through this? And these people that don't even know God are going, not going through it. Why don't you just give up? Yes, he is. Romans chapter 8. I told you I had a lot of scripture, so let me read to you. Look what it says here, Romans chapter 8. We were given this hope when we were saved. You know what the hope was? No matter what I've been, I'm going to become all that God has called me to be. That is the hope God is talking about. And that's why he goes on and says, we know that God is working everything together for the good of those who are called according to his purpose for them. Now, two things that I want you to underline in your notes just really quick. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good to those who love God. See, there's two things we have to understand. God is not going to take all the bad away. He's going to use the bad for good. Because there's a lot of teaching out there that says, well, God will make everything bad good. That's not what the Bible says. God said, I'll even use the bad for the good. Because I have a purpose that I've called you for. And God knew this in advance. And he chose them to become like his son so that Jesus could become the firstborn among many brethren, brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing or righteousness. How did we get righteousness? He gave it to us. And having given us righteousness, he's given us his glory. Remember that character of God, the face of God? Let's continue on. Could you put it up there for me, the next section? What shall we say about all these wonderful things? If God is for me, who can be against me? Why don't you read that with me? If God is for me, who can be against me? And then it goes on and it gives us this, this audacious statement. God didn't even spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. And would you underline this in your notes? Won't he also give us everything else? You see, when we are convinced it's about us, how am I going to give myself anything? How can I take care of things I can't take care of? Does that make sense? But you see, that's what, sadly, a lot of the church teaching wants us to do. 